da 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 You sound insane. You realize that? Yeah. The whole world got crazy. So the time has finally come. The day is finally here. The next Star Wars film is officially out into the world. And uh, we're here to break it down for you. Carrying on the tradition, carrying the torch that we lit last year in The Force Awakens. We're here to do our annual, I guess, Star Wars postgame show here on the Battle of Movies podcast. Uh, the premiere was tonight. And uh, we saw the movie Rogue One, A Star Wars Story, the first standalone Star Wars film outside of the, I guess, predetermined saga of Star Wars films, episodes, if you will. And um, Brian has actually seen the movie twice, and uh, uh-huh. we're coming hot off the presses. We actually got out of the screening about 20 minutes ago. This is going to be our general thoughts episode. We're going to do another episode later, probably next week. Uh, I'll probably see it again. Brian will probably see it seven more times before that, and we have a guest <laughs> at least joining two. At and least everything. Two. And yeah. we'll 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 talk a lot of Easter eggs and things like that at that point in time. But right now, it's just going to be all reaction. Just how do we feel right now at this moment coming out of the the screening? How do we feel about Star Wars right now? And uh, just general thoughts on this movie. I'm sure that'll take us um, to the uh, to the witching hour, which we're almost at right now. It's quite late in the evening, but nonetheless, Richard joins us as well. Hey, Richard. What up? What up? Richard and I and Brian actually did get to screen the movie together, which we really get to do on the show. So we all met up and had a good time, saw it, and uh, did the IMAX 3D thing, which um, is always a fun experience to do as well. So (laughs) so you got to suggest that um, if you do see this movie you got to suggest maybe the biggest format um brian did you see the first screening in 3d or what format did you see it in 2d first showing was 2d um thankfully i can't i can't handle too much 3d last year when we did force awakens i saw 3d at seven o'clock and then comes came and saw uh, imax 3d with you guys and and my my eyes hurt because i'm old so uh <laughs> one, one 3d uh every six months is is plenty yeah well I guess we'll start with you, Brian, um, the person who's seen it twice. Uh, just general thoughts. How are you feeling right now about um, Rogue One? And we're going to go ahead and right now, prerequisite, spoiler alert. I really yeah. don't want to spoil this movie. So uh, if you haven't, if you didn't see the movie on premiere night or this morning or uh, whatever day, if you haven't seen this, I would definitely avoid listening any further. So definitely, we're yeah. going in with spoilers. Go ahead. I liked it better the second time than I did the first, so that's good. Like that, I think that shows the longevity of the movie. I'm always nervous about movies that I really am excited about going in, especially Star Wars because of the prequels, because I have had such, you know, I've had two and a half really terrible experiences with something that I really love. And so even with Force Awakens, I remember it took me about 30 minutes to just kind of settle in and really um, enjoy and take in that movie, and it's that's a great movie. So this one, I don't think this is a great movie. I think it's a, a good good film, and, it, and it's, a, it's a fine Star Wars movie, but it's certainly, for me, it's going to be lower on the, the level of uh, some of the, I mean, above prequels, but um, I don't think it's on the level of the trilogy or uh, Force Awakens. Uh, first showing, I had some issues with it that were 
kind of taken away upon second viewing, kind of knowing what, what was going to happen and, and knowing what to look for and stuff. Um, I thought the second viewing went better, but I also came out with some other issues or complaints or just maybe some of it nitpicky, but some just general issues overall that um, I would have liked to have seen kind of smoothed out somewhere along the process. So uh, I think it's, I think this is a very good movie. I think it will make a lot of money. Obviously it's a, a I think it's a strong starting point for where the front or the universe is going to go outside of trilogy films. Um, but I don't, I don't feel like this is a top tier Star Wars movie, I guess. Okay, Richard, any general thoughts just right off the top here? Yeah, um, I loved it. I, I, I enjoyed it um, almost as much, if not as much, uh, on the whole as Force Awakens. Um, there were things I didn't like as much, and there were things I liked more. Um, yeah, I liked it more than I thought it would be. I thought it was really, I really enjoyed it, and uh, uh, I thought uh, Felicity Jones was excellent. I'll, I'll get into some casting stuff later that was amusing, but most of the kind of smaller players were fantastic, and I thought tonally, it didn't to me. It didn't feel any smaller than a like an episode uh, Star Wars movie. So I liked that about it. It felt um, kind of parallel. And uh, no, I liked it a lot. I, I really, really, really enjoyed it. That's good, right off the top. Um, for me, this really did encourage me that these things can work. These standalone yeah. Star Wars films. I'm very encouraged with what I saw. This is not not meant to be uh, episodic version of star wars it's really kind of meant to be different than that and i kind of had to tell myself that as i was watching it that that i'm not supposed to feel like i felt during the force awakens watching this you know um for me the force awakens was just such a emotional experience it was just so overwhelming in so many ways you know um not only was star wars back as a franchise and back in our lives back on the screen like we never thought as fans that we would ever see after the prequels we would never see another star wars movie again um so i was just dealing with so much more it it just meant so much more to me than this meant um and so Mm -hmm. a lot of my feeling especially coming right out of that movie which you can listen to our reaction to that was because of that was because of the emotion and what it meant and what it meant to see Han again and what it meant to see the relationship that uh, he had with Leia and what it meant for their kids to be involved and what these new characters meant to the whole thing. And, you know, it just meant so much more, really. Mm -hmm. Um, This is such a standalone thing. And when you remove that emotional connection and that emotion from it, um, that's all I really, that's, that's what I love about the force awakens was, was, was that, um, for me, I'm more excited to watch this a second time than I ever was um, The Force Awakens. Like, I'm more excited to go revisit this. I think there's more here to go revisit or to look into than there was with The Force Awakens. Does that make sense? Um, I think this is much yes. more complicated film, a much more um, broad film, a much more inclusive film when it comes to different characters and different styles of characters really um, is much more creative film to me than the force awakens was less cookie cutter star Wars and more like, let's really see what we can do with this uh, type feeling. And so I felt that way. I have some issues with it too, Brian, and I'll probably lay some of those out here and some of them 
out later on upon second viewing. But I mean, overall, I was I was encouraged. And let's talk about Gareth Edwards here right off the top because I have the feeling, and I don't know if you guys felt this way. I I I didn't feel as much Gareth Edwards as I thought I would in this movie. You know, I didn't feel as much of his style as I thought I would. Um, mm. He he made a Star Wars movie here. He did not make a Gareth Edwards film here, and that's fine yeah, because his Star Wars movies are are good. I mean, he's a good director. So if he kind of tries to fit that template or you know enter that mindset of what would George Lucas do, or or you know under the production guide of J.J. Abrams and people like that. Um, I think he works really well in that kind of studio system, that environment. So that was not surprising, but I I didn't feel as much of his style as I thought I would until the end. And we'll talk mm-hmm. about that, but I didn't really feel like he let loose and uh, like he did with Godzilla and just made it his own, you know? Um, how did you guys feel about the direction of it, Brian? I thought he did a really good job with the settings and with the the look of the movie. This to me this is probably the best looking Star Wars movie just from a cinematography standpoint and the um obviously the way the kind of the I mean this turns into a straight war movie and the war stuff looks fantastic. Like it looks great. I thought he did a great job with that. Um I don't think he did a particularly good job with the characters and with uh, especially the main characters of like putting those actors in a position to to succeed and really to excel on screen. Part of that is probably scripting as well. Um, but I would say the, the maybe the besides the emotionalism that you uh, you mentioned, Kent, which you're totally right about. There's an emotional connection to Force Awakens that there's it's not quite the same with this, and that's totally fine. Maybe the biggest difference is that JJ is great at working with actors, and I don't, I don't necessarily, I didn't get that from from this movie all that much, and that's that's fine. That like everybody has their skills, and uh, I think he, I think in some spots he ran circles around JJ as far as uh, the look of the movie. But I would like to, I would like to see what Felicity Jones and Diego Luna in particular could do in 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 a movie with a director in a star Wars movie with a director who was maybe a little more geared towards getting something out of them. Yeah. I thought Diego Luna was perfectly cast. Oh, see, I hated Diego Luna. That was the only thing I didn't like about it. I thought, I thought, he, was... I thought he like he, he fit the universe of star Wars to me, but he wasn't like the first person you would think of, you know, like he fit oddly. Like I, I He's... didn't like when he was announced, I was like, really? But then when I saw the movie, I was like, okay, you know, I, I, I totally kind of understood his appeal in this. Um, he didn't really have much personality, to be honest. He didn't mm-hmm. have that Han Solo, you know, wit yes. or charm or anything like that. He wasn't really going for much as far as, like, building a character. Maybe it's because they know this is a one-off movie kind of a thing and they don't really need to. But um, I thought he fit the look and feel of Star Wars perfectly. Um as far as the uh, just fitting the the universe, but yeah, I mean, the, the character there really are no characters in this movie worth looking into more other than Krennic. I mean, I I thought Ben Mendelsohn was uh, really good in this, um, mm-hmm. if not you know among the top tier Star Wars villains that we've had, if not you know in the top three already in my opinion. So. Um, I think that's enough 
in this movie as far as like um characters that we if anything if we ever want to see appear again that's it to me um Jen Urso is obviously one you want to see people kind of attach themselves to um obviously K2SO the droid and obviously Saul Guerra are big players in this but the other people are kind of along for the ride and Diego Luna is really just a a vehicle to move the story from um from Jen Erso to Saul Guerra and to Krennic. You know, like he's kind of the mm-hmm. the um taxi, if you will, of this whole thing. I mean, he breaks her out of jail and then we gotta go get your father, and then we gotta go do this and that and this. Um so they're kind of partners in crime, but not necessarily lovers or by any means or anything like that. It's just it's just mm-hmm. kind of a different it's not like they're trying to create that ensemble that they tried to create with this original trilogy or the force awakens. Does that make sense? It's kind of just these people, they don't, they they don't want to be friends. They're just all kind of rebels and they're all kind of on their doing their own thing. And mm-hmm. they're like, okay, here's our mission. Let's go do it. But they're not trying to get cozy with each other. That's how I felt about it. Yeah. And, and I love that. Like, that's a trope that I'm a fan of. That's like throughout the movie. I thought this is the dirty dozen in space. And I think that's, great like mm-hmm. i'm all on board for that i loved uh donnie yin's character and when jang's character yeah, uh riz ahmed was great as well like i i really and and k2s so alan tudyk is so skilled um and that was a that was a really fun character i love the the side characters you're right there's like there's not a lot of character to them as much as just a one sentence descriptor of who they are pretty much. And then you're just like, okay, but we're moving on with them. The main character, Felicity Jones, Jen Erso and, and Cassie Andor. I think for me, the issue with them is, uh, their characters don't have any kind of, and, and I'm, I guess I'm probably in the middle on, on Diego Luna. I liked him. I didn't really care about his character all that much. Right. And Felicity I Jones, I thought was kind of bad in several stretches. And that she's and that's no, she's no it's Daisy Ridley. Yes, <laughs> and that and that's it's partly unfair to her because we we just got out of a Star Wars movie last year where a completely unknown actress was I mean she that was my favorite performance of the year. I thought she was fantastic, Daisy Ridley. Felicity Jones, it's this is not all her fault. There are so many places where both of them are kind of asked to do a lot, but then not really given the tools to do it with. But I also think, so like in, for example, I don't think that either of their characters have any charm or swagger or like that kind of cowboy, no holes barred kind of mentality. Uh-huh. And I think that that, I think that the movie suffers for that. And it's there's not no just, just Han Solo. in this movie. Yeah. Besides, it, it, there's no, besides exactly, Mendelsohn, exactly. You know? Yes. And I think that that, I think that's a problem. It, if this wasn't a Star Wars movie, if it was a Marvel movie, that would still be a problem. Does that make sense? Like, it's not just uh, singular to Star Wars universe. If you're gonna have, if, if all the this Avengers kind of ragtag, yes, if yes. all the Avengers you, were Hawkeye and, and uh, Scarlet <laughs> exactly, Witch or whatever, exactly. You know? like that's... If you're gonna have this kind of ragtag group of rebels, then you've got to have something that makes them interesting, and that really has to come from the leaders of the cast. And I, I that was a I don't know if that's poor casting, poor directing, a combination of the two or what. Um, but man, they tried so hard to make Diego Luna seem 
tough and cool and i couldn't i just yeah i didn't buy him at all i thought he was atrocious and brought this from (laughs) a a plus plus to down to like an a uh, for me just him alone i thought riz ahmed was awesome Mm -hmm. thought donnie yen was greatness um and and i that those guys had so much personality just in their like the stuff I it, 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 it should have been the male lead. I mean, he's so much better yes, and more expressive totally. than Daniel Lucas sucks. Um, <laughs> he always sucks. He's never any good. Um, and so I wasn't that pumped when he got cast. And then I was like, Oh, it'll be fine. They, they did, you know, they turn no names into great actors in these movies. Mm-hmm. Well, we found their kryptonite. Um, I didn't so, think he was going to be the male lead. I thought he was just in the movie, like as yeah, part of the okay. part of the ensemble, I, if you will. I didn't know yeah, it was like mind. I didn't know it was Felicity Jones and him and the droid basically as the 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 ensemble, and then they kind of meet the other people along the way. You know, um, yeah. I didn't I didn't think it'd be that way, but one it was. day in they should have switched him and Riz Ahmed's role. Yeah, no, I totally agree. Uh-huh. Yeah, um, or yeah, I mean, just or like think about how much better it would have been if. Uh, he if it had been like Oscar Isaac's character from Force mm-hmm. Awakens or something like it's just anyone that anyone else can act off of because yeah. you're basically acting off of a taupe wall <laughs> in a jacket. The jacket was better than him. Yeah, yeah, had more personality in the jacket. Um, yeah, I I, I thought Felicity Jones was I think her she had kind of up and down performance, but again, like half of her performance is against that you know turd sandwich. So what are you gonna do? Um, <laughs> Not. Let's be honest, though. There, 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 with Gareth Edwards' previous films, it's not like we're like, man, those performances, though. It's like no, it's right. never been a, his strong suit. So let's not sure. pretend yeah. like this is like a huge letdown in that regard. Uh, I don't think so. Um, this was fine. I mean, I, I think he got what he needed to get out of these people. Um, Mads Mikkelsen was fine. Um, it's just mm-hmm. weird to see him doing something positive. In a movie, like I <laughs> yeah, honestly didn't kept anybody. I honestly weird. kept I... having to tell myself, like, is that him? Like, is that somebody in makeup <laughs> that's trying to, like, you know what I mean? Like, I kept trying to think he was. I, they did make try to make him bad. I mean, obviously, they uh, the, like, recruit him to work for the Imperials, you know, or force him to work for the capture him and force him to work the, for the uh, Imperials. Grand Moff Tarkin thing that it was CGI was incredible. I loved it, and you thought I, you loved it. I thought it was. I did. I, I it, did not. It's creepy, I did not but I it thought it was very effective. I honestly didn't notice it until I got home and started researching stuff. And I was like, oh, because mm. I was trying to place like that actor looks so much like the original guy. And then yeah. I didn't realize it was Peter Cushing until I got home. I yeah. thought at least in 3D, it looked awesome. Maybe on like a regular screen, it's super noticeable. But, but no, I agree. I, I really liked it. But that was that was an unpopular opinion with my group of friends and the people around us. Like people did not care for it. I thought it were I thought it was. I think it's creepy, but I thought it was very effective. It was much better than like young Tony Stark in Civil War earlier this year, you know, yeah. things like that. I thought it was I thought it worked out pretty well. I think the photorealism of the skin tones and everything, like that works, but there's just something about the way the mouth moves with the lip sync and it just doesn't it just still doesn't feel a hundred percent. If it's like at ninety nine point four. Yeah, I agree. That, you know what I mean? Sense. There's still yeah. like a a half of a percent that it needs to improve mm-hmm. um, or express percent. But <laughs> I mean, it was fine. If you didn't know that he wasn't with us maybe, and you didn't know about that, maybe like Richard, um, 
you wouldn't notice it, but I noticed it immediately, and then it was like took me out of it for a bit because I just kept, I don't know, I kept concentrating on it and not, I wasn't in the moment anymore. It took me out of it. Um, but I can see why they did that. I think, yeah. I think that's a really cool idea. I mean, bring mm-hmm. back a character that you literally you can't do that anymore. Um, you know, they kind of push the boundary and um, the the filmmaking industry that way with this movie, you know? Uh, I don't think I've seen that done before to somebody who is no longer with it. I, I've seen it, they did it with Jeff Bridges and Tron where they made a younger version of himself, you know, and they did it yeah. with Schwarzenegger where they made him a younger version of himself and that ter- last Terminator movie, but I've never seen them literally resurrect an actor. It just made me think mm-hmm. in there, I was like, man, I, we could be watching James Dean movies and I mean, you know what I mean? Like, uh, sure. that's what yeah. I was thinking about during that scene is like, if they're doing this with Peter Cushing, all they got to do is find somebody who can do the voice, you know, or have enough dialogue recorded in films where they can put it through a computer that it can generate the syllables enough to, you know, generate a computer voice of the person, um, which you can do yeah, if you maybe have a young Han Solo movie will be uh, maybe the young Han Solo movie will be Harrison Ford. <laughs> <laughs> hey, I would be down for that. Or the new uh, Indiana Jones, just make him ten years younger, you know. He's always yeah, no, we say have he's sh- too we old have to play Andy. For that. <laughs> <laughs> have no, um, but yeah, that kind of took me out of it, to be honest. Um, not to say it was a letdown, but I, I did, I did kind of want to see something familiar in this movie, though. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. It, it was kind of like, oh, I remember that from the original. You know, it was kind of like it, it felt a part of it in that regard. It, it felt a part of the 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 story that we already knew, um, even though this centered around the Death Star, it still kind of felt like, like a different Death Star. Does that mm-hmm. make sense? I don't know yeah. like why that um, why it did for me, but it did. Um, so, K2SO. Yeah. yeah. Um, Great. Greatness. He reminded me of Sheldon from Big Bang yeah. Theory. His movement. Yeah, Sheldon, Sheldon with an actual sense of humor. Yeah. yeah. I thought it was well written. Mm-hmm. It to me, it felt like, okay, we're just going to do C-3PO, but just make him even more annoying and more of a douche. Um, like, <laughs> Sassy. Like, he, like, every line was just either sarcasm or telling somebody off or making fun of somebody. Um, I didn't expect it to be him to be that rude, to be honest. I thought it was supposed to be, he was supposed to be helpful for the, the most part. Um, I guess he uh, is kind of his own droid you know like same like c3po mm-hmm. he's kind of uh detached from the from the rest of them but i thought it was great performance by uh alan tudyke and mm-hmm. it's something that i want to see more of i wish i could see more of this this uh character on mm-hmm. screen who knows maybe he'll show up in episode eight or something like that you know they, they know yeah. they do things like that but um i love the character design too i thought that was smart to do the imperial droid and that was a, that was a a good, I guess, trope to work him into sneaking onto the Imperial ship through in that whole thing. You know that whole mm-hmm. plot yeah. line. I thought that was an effective uh, production design choice, if that makes sense. Like, okay, yeah. we're gonna do no, droid. Totally. Which droid yeah. should we do? Maybe we can do one that we can work into the story somehow or use down the line, rather than just create one like they did with BB-8. So that's mm-hmm. fine. Um, it works either way, but in this case, I am literally looking at a K2SO that I, I've already purchased, so it worked on me. <laughs> so, 
What did you guys think of it? What did you think of it, Brian? You said you liked it, but uh, yeah, I loved K two. When did it I work for was, you? Uh, for yeah, more. It, it did. It, it, it they pulled it off. Alan Tudyk's great, and yes, it's a very uh, you know kind of a snappy version of a droid. It took a minute to kind of get adjusted to that. Uh, was a little looser, which was, but it was fun, and he provided a, a little bit of comic relief. Uh, you know. I would like for these movies to be funny without telling jokes, and that ne- wasn't necessarily the case. But it was, you know, it, it was funny, and it was. I felt like pretty much every he he was he was hitting about ninety five percent of the jokes. So okay, that's fine. Yeah. Like if you keep going it's back to that percentage. well, yeah, One and if you keep going hit. back to the well, and you're yeah, and you're and you're missing, then it's a, then that's a major problem. But that was one of the to me, at least his character was consistent and pretty tightly written um as opposed yeah. to some of the other yeah i thought it was great like every time you saw him on screen you know something funny was going to happen or mm-hmm. something out you know kind of slapsticky or something it was like jar jar being set worked is what it felt like you know? <laughs> sure like what yeah. they were going for with that but it just failed miserably this was mm-hmm. great and again character design was cool and everything so I don't know if that was CGI or if they had, I'm sure they had maybe a physical one on set at point in mm-hmm. times, but they blended the two flawlessly, in my opinion. That was great. Agree. Um, so, I guess we could talk about the ensemble. Forrest Whitaker. Thoughts? I thought he was good. Um, I thought his character was completely pointless. Like everything that happens with Saw Gerrera does not, you could rewrite that and yeah. cut that entire segment. And that, that's a problem. That's that to me, that set the first showing that stuck with me until about 40 minutes left in the movie. Like I just could not let that go of how, like, why does this care? Why does this character exist? And why did we have to spend 45 minutes um, kind of dancing around the fact that his character doesn't need to exist? That was a, that's a problem within within the script that and and then the the execution of it that's that's pretty sloppy honestly yeah R- ricardo uh i didn't have that thought i mean i thought he was necessary to kind of show how fractured uh the alliance or rebellion was uh at the you know at the time uh because they're so unified uh later on in the original trilogy i thought that was a useful device i didn't i didn't find him like pigeonholed in they they didn't use him too much and uh and you know allegorically it was cool to show the kind of extremist size of the rebellion and yeah i was fine with it i mean i didn't really see need to see his tie to her um uh, but the the MacGuffin of you know getting to meet him through her is is fine but yeah, yeah. i i didn't i didn't have that same issue brian but that doesn't mean i'm right and you're wrong i it just mm. it flowed for me to me i saw it in two ways one for a way for them to tie it into the I guess canon because he's a character that was in the Clone Wars and and is a known character in the canon. And B, a way for once uh, Jin Erso's parents are taken away or their family's taken away, what happens to her? He kind of takes it, takes her under his wing and shows her the ways of the rebellion or whatever, you know. Um, Mm. So it's a it's a way to get from point A to point B more than anything else. And uh, yeah, he doesn't I, last long. Let's just say that it doesn't last exactly. Long. Yeah, that I felt like if you're gonna, I don't know. To me, if you're gonna go so far as to cast Forrest Whitaker, Oscar winner Forrest Whitaker in this role, then like maybe give him something to do instead of just 
having him wander off into the dust after 30 minutes. Like, it just, I, it, it bothered me that it, the main reason for her going to the planet that he is on is to, it eventually ends up being that she gets some information where to go next. So it's basically just like a stopover on the map and then to meet uh, Chirrut and, and Baze. So I, I don't know. Like, I felt like there was a, I feel like there's a pretty easy workaround on rewriting to just like cut that character out altogether and send them to that planet for the same reality. Oh, we've got to track down this, I don't know, this uh, transmission that got lost. It's here, you know, I, something like it's, it, to me, it would have been really easy. It's because Saul Guerra knew where the father was. That's why I know. That's why but, I but mean, it turned out, but, but if you like, it turns out that, I mean, Diego Luna is the one who's like, Oh, I know where your father is. Let's go. And so wait, uh-huh. what? I, I don't know. I it's not bad. He's not bad. The character's not bad. I just I I hate casting characters and casting good actors and then just basically leaving them to wilt like and then why God Jenning them and just like Yeah. Yes. Oh my gosh. Yeah. Yeah. Hey, you're gonna get Liam Neeson? That sounds awesome. I love him. I'd love for him mm-hmm. to be in this Star Wars trail. Oh, he's gone. <laughs> exactly. That's basically yeah. what happened. Yeah. Well, you know, the we aforementioned spoiler alert. That kinda goes for uh everyone in this cast though eventually yeah. right oh, yeah basically yeah. yeah and that's fine like i actually really like that aspect of it i yeah. thought it was it was a good way to keep the continuity and to have this movie like mean something because mm-hmm. it would have been very easy i think for these characters and this this whole plot to be like well they okay they got those plans for the death star and that's it but to have them essentially all sacrifice their lives to make it happen and um and to have it be in kind of a, a a war state a fantastical state i think that i think that worked out really well and doesn't leave you with any kind of questions because like if they survive then it's weird that cassie andor is not leading the troops on hoth you know or something like that like it's a i think that's a good way to just kind of close the book on that chapter although i will tell you and this is 100 percent real uh, in my first showing, right afterwards, there was a a young lady, uh, who I would guess is probably in her mid twenties, who was very upset that there was not going to be a sequel to Rogue One. So that uh, apparently, apparently, well, don't she, rule it out. <laughs> apparently, it was lost on her. No, that, I could pretty much rule it out for sure. Ago, so. I think the, <laughs> Just, the way this ended it, this way this ended, pretty much ruled that out. Uh, <laughs> obviously, you don't obviously, know about. Time travel in parallel timelines. Right. Yeah, I guess they, the, they cast Rachel McAdams in the next yeah, one. Star Just, Trek, bro. Anything's possible. Man, I thought <laughs> Donnie Yen was freaking. Oh my the, the best addition yeah. to Star Wars maybe ever. I mean, mm. the scene where he's, uh, I guess for you're first introduced to kind of his abilities, and he's taking on the stormtroopers, and he yeah. like uses the stormtrooper like as a shield for the blaster. Remember, he like mm-hmm. he like holding him with one hand, and he's like basically blocking the blaster uh, shots with the stormtrooper's body, you know. But the stormtrooper's alive the whole time, and he's just kind of like stunned, you know. <laughs> yeah, like that yeah. was like that was one of the the coolest moves I've seen maybe mm-hmm. ever in a movie, let alone Star Wars. So I mean, it it's just a cool. I, I mean, I know there's um you know, roots to the samurai and everything in the, in the, uh, mm-hmm. Jedi fighting style and everything, or at least uh, that's what it's kind of paying homage to. Uh, but 
it, it's cool to see them kind of bring different skill sets to Star Wars. You know, uh-huh. like what if a samurai was in a you know had to take on Darth Vader or the, the rebels? Um, I mean, the Imperials or, or stormtroopers. Or, you know, um, it's it was the same. Basically, every person in this ensemble brings something different to the table. You know, uh, mm-hmm. we need it's like the Ocean's Eleven uh, of Star Wars. We need these guys for the. We need Baze Malbus for this reason. We need. Uh, uh, you know, we need Bodie Rock for a, a, a different reason. Um, so it that was that was interesting too. Just kind of, I wanted to see how he would fit in this world, and he fit mm-hmm. perfectly. And that was absolutely that was a, a welcome surprise. I wasn't, I was skeptical, and I, and then when I saw it again, man, awesome, awesome. Yeah, what, totally what, agree. What that, scene... that was my favorite part. Like, yeah. I yeah. love their characters. Seriously, they were yeah. they so natural um whereas so many of the other actors and and the characters they're portraying just kind of felt um forced a little bit at times those two flowed really well and they were fun to watch and both of them not just donnie and um donnie and 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 wenjiang they brought a certain level of physicality to the fights that i think sometimes gets missed when it's a when it's space guns shooting at each other, you know what I mean? When it's blasters going back and forth, that's why the lightsaber duels are so cool in these movies because it makes it, it kind of brings like a, like a level of, uh, of weight and of realism to it. And so having Donnie in, especially just trucking dudes with this stick was, it fit and it was really cool and brought this kind of, uh, this sense of realness to an otherwise, you know, ridiculous, crazy world. Right. No, absolutely. You're you're absolutely right. Um, let's see. Uh, there's uh, in terms of Ben Mendelsohn himself. Um, where are we? Where would you rank him as far as the villains go, Brian? Critic. Um, I mean, where, where, definitely. Did you like Critic? Uh, you haven't yeah, said. Yeah, yeah. I thought it was good. I would as I would have liked to have seen him uh, survive so we could get more of him somewhere, but I don't know how he would fit in. Yeah. Maybe there's an origin somewhere down the line. I mean, he's definitely behind Vader, but... I thought that uh, scene, Brian, when he's first introduced, or the, the, I guess the prologue of the movie, mm-hmm. um, was such a beautiful shot of, like, the farm, and he's, yes. they're all walking up with the Death Troopers and everything, mm-hmm. and, oh, man, that was cool. That was, yeah. that was a really well planned i mean uh, mm-hmm. the location There's scouting a... on this was if not all cgi the location scouting was top notch yeah. on perfect this. it perfect. felt felt like a new part of the universe uh of mm-hmm. star wars so yeah it, there's a dozen scenes probably or shots that are gonna go down as i think iconic shots with at least within this franchise universe if not overall i mean it's mm-hmm. this looks really good and then yeah that was a great one I think Krennic's great. Um, I think once we get more Kylo Ren, Kylo Ren probably tops him out. But uh-huh. he had a—he's got this kind of uh, this menace to him, that and a, a touch of crazy. And that's—I think you—I think you need that for for that character to really, especially given how truthfully how little buildup or character development that that Gareth Edwards and, and company give him. Um, you kind of have to have something in your face you know and the way you react to things that sells uh the darker parts of your of your character of your soul i thought he brought that really well you know what this movie 
really kind of detaches itself from is the force. Uh, yeah. The Chira uh, character is, is really the only kind of connection to the force other than Darth Vader himself, mm-hmm. uh, who we know has the force because we know star Wars, but there's not really any mention of the mythology of the force or anything like that. Um, mm-hmm. It, it honestly kind of felt like these people were just normal people who didn't even know about the force. Like she, you know, the Kyber crystals play a big, which I thought was a good choice to have kind of the mission of the Imperials in this movie to be harvesting Kyber crystals for the mm-hmm. death star, mm-hmm. because that's a, uh, that's a Star Wars mythos that's never really been explored before. Like how, what powers the Death Star? What, uh, how do they destroy yes. things and things yeah. like that? Um, Kyber crystals make sense because of the mm-hmm. lightsabers. So that's really the only mention of it is when Jyn Erso is like, "Oh, Kyber crystals! I heard they power the Jedi's lightsaber." That sounds like something that was totally in reshoots. Like, okay, we need a line where she says. You know what the Kyber crystals are because people might not know that. You know, not everybody's mm-hmm. a, a nerd or whatever. But right. um, so I thought that was a good way to kind of connect it. But like I said, there was just not a lot of Force talk and a lot of the Yoda kind of mythos mm-hmm. of Star Wars mm-hmm. in this. And that was a welcome kind of, I guess, attraction. You know, it's yeah. like this felt totally. like kind of normal. Like Earthlings were thrown into mm-hmm. star wars and like okay shoot we gotta freaking fight the imperials now we've got a samurai mm-hmm. we've got a dude with a gun we've got a droid like let's do this you know uh it, that, that's kind of how it felt detached to me just yeah in that 100% way agree yeah yeah absolutely so, um in terms of the mission in and of itself um i kind of hated brian and this is a really picky or comment and i probably shouldn't even say this but i kind of hated how they made uh her dad uh urso uh, senior kind of leave the loophole in the plans of the death star of the <laughs> uh i left i left a secret thing that all you got to do is shoot it and it's gonna blow up the you know i was like ugh. couldn't he have just left the plans like couldn't he have been like here's the plans and like couldn't couldn't that have been the New Hope's discovery of, oh, now we found a loophole? You know what I mean? Like, it was just, like, removing that from that mm-hmm. movie and, like, oh, no, the, the plan, it was planned to blow up all along. Like, it took away from, like, Luke's hero- heroism, in my opinion, you know? Like, mm-hmm. the fact that Luke did that and, like, saved the day in A New Hope, to me, it's just like, oh, he just knew where the button was, you know? Uh <laughs> I I, I, kinda, I, I thought that was kind of a cheap addition to this was or a cheap like uh, origin story to that mm. you know like that didn't need an origin in my it was just kind of like oh I don't know. I think I don't mind necessarily that uh, that that's what it is because I think there was a lot of people over the years I mean we you know Star has been out for forty years and it's it is not necessarily a plot hole but it definitely is a sticking point for people of like so they spend all of the money to build this death star that's going to be the you know the greatest single weapon in the history of uh, the universe but they left this one like just pretty pretty uh ridiculous thing that can just destroy the whole thing just with one shot the entire thing can go down so i think maybe i think maybe this crew felt like they had to justify that, that had to explain it away in some ways 
I guess for me, I don't I, mind I like so much. I did too. I, I don't mind that. I wish it would have been explained in a less um, super exposition-y way. Mm-hmm. Like that hologram thing, that should be such a, I don't know, that, that should have been such a cool moment and an emotional moment at the same time. Like that should have had some pull. And instead I was just like, I feel like you just used 700 words when you could have used a hundred like that. It was just so, so expensive, you know, just keep talking. Okay. Do we get it? We understand you built a, okay. And then repeating, I, I built a trap. We get it. We understand. I I know what we're doing here. I just wish that could have been, I don't know, tightened up a little bit. And that maybe that's my feeling for most of the dial, a lot of the dialogue and, and some of the, like the plotting is just like, can we just tighten this up just a little and make it a little more succinct? So I'm with Richard. That didn't really bother me. I just would have liked it done in a cleaner fashion. Yeah. It, there was maybe five too many pointer scenes in this movie uh-huh. for me. Yeah. I mean, it's ten. every other scene. It's like we're, mm-hmm. we're mm-hmm. some kind of hologram or we're gathered around some kind of table talking about what our next mission is, which is, again, necessary. But um, I, I like those things either not in there or limited. I, I think there's some uh-huh. kind of other ways to exposition those mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Uh, moments, yep. but I agree. It, it it happens. Can't you can't win them all. You know what I mean? Yeah. Hey, what's up, ma'am, fam? Kent here. And yes, if you're hearing from me, you know it's time to talk about Blue Apron. If you haven't tried out Blue Apron by now, what the heck are you even doing? Blue Apron is the number one fresh ingredient and recipe delivery service in the country. They deliver fresh meals straight to your door. All the food is fresh, it's sourced from local farms, and there's no wasted ingredients. I've been a Blue Apron subscriber for a long time now, and they have still, to this day, never let me down. There's tons of variety. Some featured upcoming meals include summer vegetable and egg paninis, soy glazed pork and rice cakes, skillet vegetable chili with cheddar drop biscuits, holy crap, and garlic butter shrimp and corn with green bean salad. So take it from me. Try out Blue Apron now. Go to blueapron.com slash mad. That's blueapron.com slash mad. Get three meals on us for free. Nothing goes better with a movie than dinner. So check out Blue Apron. Blueapron.com slash mad. Blue Apron, a better way to cook. Hey, ma'am, fam, question for you. Do you own a small business or are you a boss? Are you looking to hire awesome people, but you just can't find somebody to fill that role? Well, let me tell you about ZipRecruiter.com. With ZipRecruiter, you can post your job to 100-plus job sites all with one click. In fact, over 80% of jobs posted on ZipRecruiter get a qualified candidate in just 24 hours. Find out today why ZipRecruiter has been used by businesses of all sizes to find the most qualified job candidates with immediate results. That's why ZipRecruiter is different. Unlike other job sites, ZipRecruiter doesn't depend on candidates finding you. It finds them. Right now, you can post your jobs for free on ZipRecruiter by going to ZipRecruiter.com slash mad. That's ZipRecruiter.com slash mad. One more time, try it for free. Go to ZipRecruiter.com slash mad. Thanks to ZipRecruiter for supporting this episode of the Mad About Movies podcast. I think there's some spectacular action scenes in this. The scene where the yeah. the rebel ship like pushes the star destroyer into the other star destroyer was was awesome. Um, mm-hmm. you, you kind of expect that stuff to happen to 
Star Destroyers falling out of the sky moments and things, but I thought that kind of took that to the next level as far as the the CGI in this. I don't know if it was the IMAX 3D, like you said, um, Richard, but, I mean, I was blown away by, like you said earlier, Brian, this might be the best-looking Star Wars movie that we've seen in terms of the technology of actually pulling this thing off. Um, I was blown away by that aspect of it. Uh, what do we think about the cameos? C-3PO, uh, R2-D2 yeah. uh, cameo there. You know, I thought all of them felt pretty organic. I knew I knew C-3PO and R2-D2 would be shoehorned in at some point because they've been in every Star Wars movie. So I knew that was going to pop up at some point. I thought they used Tarkin really well. I love the ending, so the Princess Leia thing worked really well for me. I thought that was a perfect way to close this out and send you, I mean, literally directly into uh, New Hope, which was cool. The only one that I felt like we've we've taken it too far, y'all need to reel it in, was the uh, when uh, Jen and Cassian are walking through the streets and they bump into... Uh, the walrus face dude and and uh and you know from from a new hope like that is completely unnecessary and for me very non-organic to uh to this also means that uh they escaped just in time before that planet blew up so right. you know it just was kind of a that felt gratuitous to me but the rest of them i'm i'm good with yeah um man the ending i think or first of all, let's talk about the third act. And I thought it was a smart choice to kind of save that at at scene for the end, like that whole big sequence of the beach uh, invasion and all that. I yeah. thought that was going to be at the beginning, all uh, Empire Strikes Back, or something like that, and kind of mirror that uh, the way that's structured. But it wasn't, and they saved that for the end. And that's a that's a big sequence that I'm sure we'll talk about more uh, later. Mm-hmm. Uh, later date, probably next time we meet. But uh, big nonetheless. I want to get to talk about the ending here. Um, this was the the climax. I mean, the end. The end was. Uh, I was finally like, man, this is Gareth Edwards. You know what I mean? Like, uh, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Uh, um, when we first of all, how do we feel about how Darth Vader was used in this? Um, aside from the ending, uh, I think. I guess he was fine. Uh, maybe I kind of, in hindsight, wish they would have saved him for the end. For that moment where he it's all darkness and the lightsaber comes on and you see him for the first time. Like, maybe that should have been the reveal. And then he mm-hmm. does what he does. And then it's like, oh my, what is happening, you know? Other yeah. than kind of we have him in the movie already. And no, uh, I agree. You, you, it's, not, it's effective, but it's not that effective. He's just kind of talking to Grand Moff Tarkin or... Ben Mendelsohn or somebody, you know, it's, uh, that's kind of, yeah. I, I kind of felt, it kind of felt shoehorned in until the end. And uh-huh. that's when, uh-huh. but that reveal at the end was, oh, oh my gosh. man, I want to talk about it more in a second. Detail, best, but best scene ahead. in the movie. Yeah. No, I think I liked the scene with him and Krennic for the most part, but two complaints. Like one, I do not ever need Darth Vader making a play on words while he's choking somebody to death. Mm-hmm. Like, that's a that was such a bad point of dialogue. I just couldn't believe that that, that, that happened. And, and number two, I really don't need Darth Vader camping out in, like, 
a fortress of solitude that looks like Mordor from Lord of the Rings. Like that was a really, I'm not somebody, I mean, I love Star Wars more than anybody and I don't typically get all worked up about canon and continuity and stuff like that. But those two things made me feel like maybe you guys don't understand this universe and, and Darth Vader. Like that was a really, um, that was, that was a miss. That was a big misfire on both of those things to me. Uh, and it, and it did, I think to your point, Kent, it's not a bad scene with him and Krennic, but it does take away. If he shows up for the first time in that, that last sequence, the whole theater explodes, right? Like that's a, mm-hmm. such a cool moment and it is still cool. It's the best scene in the whole movie. But if you had not seen him up to that point, I mean, I think we're all primed for it, and we're all just waiting for him to show up. And you would know it's coming when when uh, Tarkin says, uh, you know, Vader will take care of the the ships, and you're just like, oh crap, Vader's coming. And that would have been such a cool sequence that I I think in hindsight I would I wouldn't mind them going and cutting out that that scene with with Krennic. I was absolutely blown away by that. I just I I was honestly waiting for the movie to end at that point because I was like, okay, mm-hmm. how far are they going to lead up to a new hope? I just kept thinking, you know, I was like, okay, yeah. are they going to stop it when the ship takes off? And, you know, it, it kind of, I thought it was when the, uh, I guess the rebel ship takes off from the, from the, uh, from its base and kind of goes into the distance. I thought it was going to stop there literally where the first star Wars movie starts, you know, uh, mm-hmm. with that ship, kind of uh going away in the star destroyer chasing it right i thought that's where it was gonna so the continuity would have been flawless you know it's literally mm-hmm. shot for shot continuity um didn't happen and then they do include that beta sequence and when the uh when the the rebels i guess kind of line up and and it's you know they copied the costumes of a new hope for darn sure you know i mean I, you feel kind of feel at the end like like it's a deleted scene from it or something like that um but man when they the vader reveal and he just goes to town and he's just throwing guys everywhere and just murdering everybody and just that's the most vader we've ever seen vader you know mm-hmm. maybe uh it was just i wanted more of that like why why like if I was Disney and you know like they screened this over the summer, I would have been like, you know what you did at the end? Can we do more of that everywhere? You know, <laughs> um, not, maybe not with that with Vader, but just more of that style mm-hmm. of combat. You know, that I just the like like I said, Gareth, Gareth Edwards like let loose on that sequence. It was like that was yeah. the one sequence they said, okay, Gareth, go for it, and mm-hmm. he did. Uh, that's what it felt like to me. But Richard, yeah. did you? How did you feel about the uh, Vader? Yeah, it was cool. I mean, I, 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 yeah, I agree with you. That should have been the only time he was used. Um, I kind of liked him in that weird uh, jacuzzi thing, though. Uh, <laughs> mm-hmm. But, uh, but, yeah, I think that would have been a cool way to use it. But I actually like some of the other broader action scenes more than that. I mean, yeah, I don't know. I just feel like I've seen Vader wreck shop on cats with lightsabers or somebody do it i mean it was it was cool and i liked how he appeared and all that but you know you hear the breath machine before but uh mm-hmm. i liked some of the stuff uh you know once they got to the base uh with the with the kind of the crew before everyone went down more uh i thought i thought Ed- edward shot it all all really well I, I liked it i think i'm higher on it than both of you yeah. so i so, the uh, um the first kind of big 
set piece with, in the city with the the tanks was was really well done. Um, this the Scarif city uh, at the end again was really well done. I mean, it, another kind of side complaint: Did you guys feel like this whole movie kind of felt, you know, in between sequences, like it was just one giant cantina sequence? Yeah. This yeah. whole movie was a cantina, you know, like every Star Wars movie has a cantina sequence or moment where they're walking somewhere and there's crazy creatures everywhere. It's just like this whole movie was just everywhere the characters were turning, every, everywhere they looked, there was just some new kind of creature being introduced or something, you know, um, maybe too, a little too much for me. Um, mm-hmm. That's my only maybe one complaint is that they do try to kind of push it to the limit as far as the character design and all that yeah. type of stuff. I mean, and some of it's used great, like the little small guys that like kind of get involved in the battles. I think it's Warwick mm-hmm. Davis is one of them. Um, and you know, like those guys are funny and they add kind of add something, but they're just, you know, I, I would say 95% of the creatures you see on screen, you either see them once and you forget about, I mean, they're so forgetful. Like you're just like, what was that? You know, there's not enough mm-hmm. time to kind of, have them be iconic you know does that make sense kind of like the ones in a new hope were um so that's maybe one of my only complaints with it is that there's just so many creatures in this i mean there's hundreds i i can't even imagine the amount that's in it Mm -hmm. but it was just overwhelming to me the 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 world was kind of too diverse it was too big it (laughs) it needed to be more isolated like in, in point to me did you feel that way at all no, yeah. You, I yeah. don't mind that. Here's my to take that up a notch. When you have all these aliens involved in the fighting, even in the background, I like that. I think it's cool because I that is sort of the point of the alliance. It's mm-hmm. not. I mean, canon of Star Wars is that the Empire is not just that they're trying to rule the galaxy. It's that they're also like super racist or I don't know alien. <laughs> I don't know how you. I don't know what the uh the Haley proper term is yeah um like they enslaved the wookies and things like that like there's there's an element of of human uh domination to that or superiority to that and i would like to if you're going to explore that and you're going to have these aliens fighting for the alliance but then when you cut to the scenes where they're like debating whether or not they're going to go to war and it's just all white dudes like that. I just like, can we get some consistency on this? It's Admiral Akbar and then a bunch of white guys that look like they should be uh, extras on Game of Thrones or something. You know, like it's let's kind of let's let's spice up that room a little bit and get some of these aliens involved. If you are going to then have the aliens involved in in the rest of of the fight. Yeah, I thought The Force Awakens did that perfectly with the Maz Kanata scene, and they kind of. You know they're in their own world, like like uh, yeah, Daisy Ridley is or Ray is lives on Jakku, but she's kind of by herself, you know. And mm-hmm. same with Finn, he's a stormtrooper, but kind of one in amongst a bunch of clones, you know. Um, so that one scene kind of did that was like your one peek at what how big the universe was, you know. Uh huh. Um, yeah. It's kind of just felt like you're in the universe the whole time and things are crazy all the time. You know, it kind of felt overwhelming. Like kind of felt like attack of the clones where they're flying through that city and all the cars are flying around. You're just like, this is too much guys. This mm-hmm. is a little too much, you know? Um, it's, right. it's, uh, 
kind of stretching it to its limit at, at some point. But man, they look great. You know, the makeup and all that was top notch. You know, I'm sure we'll be hearing about Oscars for that type of stuff and CGI and all that. I mean, all that was a hundred percent what it could have and should have been, but mm-hmm. uh, maybe could have scaled it back just a tad, in my opinion. So, any other thoughts on this generally? Well, we no, talk no, general. No. Um, how do we feel about the Princess Leia CGI? Um, yeah, that good. one looked better to me than Grand Moff Tarkin. Not, and, and I know that's weird, but um, that one looked more like Princess Leia to me. Um, yeah, that worked for me yeah. too. But I didn't. Uh, again, I didn't mind the Tarkin either. So, mm-hmm. okay. Well, any other thought, general thoughts, guys? That, uh, that any scenes that stick out, Brian? Funny moments, awful moments, eye rollers. Uh, no, fine, I... we didn't talk about the kind of the beginning. We just talked about the beginning. Uh, didn't use the crawl. They mm-hmm. use kind of a prologue. Um, I like that. I, I like, like that, that for these Star Wars in. stories. I don't. Yeah, it was weird that it said just Rogue One though. Like it should have said Star Wars and then Rogue One or something like that. Or mm-hmm. Rogue One, a Star Wars story. It didn't ever say Star Wars at any point. That kind of was weird. Uh, and then the music was kind of always a bastardization of John Williams. Like I hate to say that, but. Uh, Especially at the moment where you see the title card, it's kind of like, uh, it's not quite the Star Wars fanfare. It's like you think it's coming mm-hmm. in, but it's not. Uh, that's fine. They do have some cues in this movie that are John Williams cues, and that's effective. They use them mm-hmm. sparingly, and I think they're effective when they're used, specifically with the character of Jin and Darth Vader and characters like that, and that's good. Um, but. Overall, I thought it was fine, but this could have used John Williams. Any movie yeah. could use John Williams, but that would have added something great to this. So, that's all I got for general thoughts, guys. Um, we're going to get back together on this, and we're going to talk Easter eggs, talk plot points, really break out down the ships and the creatures and all that type of good, fun stuff, nerdy stuff. So look forward to that uh, in the coming week or two. Mm-hmm. So, thanks for jumping jumping on with us, guys, for this post-game show for uh, Rogue One, A Star Wars Story. Again, we'll see you guys next week. Uh, Brian, where can we find you online? You can find me on the Twitter at bgill 12 You can find my writing at madaboutmoviespodcast.com. I should have something up there at uh, some point in this next week. Richard, where can we find you? You can find me on Twitter at Richard Barton. Kent, where can I find you? Find me on the Twitter at Kent Garrison. Find us online at madaboutmoviespodcast.com. Hit subscribe on the iTunes. Leave us five stars if you like what you hear. And uh, we do these every week. So stay on board. Get in touch. And uh, until next time, we'll see you at the center. Goodbye. Bye. Hey, baby, I hear the blues are calling. Toss salads and scrambled eggs. And maybe I seem a bit confused. Yeah, maybe, but I got you pegged. <laughs> but I don't know what to do with those tossed salads and scrambled eggs. They're calling again. Scrambled eggs all over my face. They're making me yaya. Yeah, yeah.